Welcome and good morning to everybody to the Freedom Coffee live stream where we celebrate the freedoms that we have and we work on expanding those freedoms in the future as we have in the past. And how do we do that? I hope you all will join me in your Freedom Cup of Coffee. I even have a mug, so thank you, Robin. <laughs> Always appreciate that. And um, what do we do? We take a sip. When we take our sip, we kind of we feel all the negative energy and stress and anxiety flow through the tips of our fingers. Uh, for me, it's kind of my reset. I start my coffee. I have my first sip of coffee, and then boom, I'm now in a positive head state. So I'm trying to help you guys do the same. I know it's difficult for a lot of people, but um, you know what they say? Practice makes perfect, right? Uh, so there we go. Now we're in that positive mindset and we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things today. Never had so many notes for uh, a topic, but if you could please like, share, and subscribe. And by the way, for any of you who uh, subscribe to my Substack, I did post the last stream to it and... Um, you know, I don't want to do that all the time because I don't want to bombard people with spam emails and stuff like that. Like, it, it gets a little much. But once in a while, I will, unless you ask me to. So if people on Substack want me to share more of the streaming content, uh, let me know in the comments. And thank you uh, again for everybody who keeps, you know, contributing to uh, the Substack. I can't thank you enough. Uh, it actually really helps right now as I'm in this year of pivoting and change. So um, that's one of the themes this year. We talked about yearly themes. That's one of the ones I didn't discuss. Uh, Bridget says things are on track. Perfect. Uh, Jesse, uh, mine's looking good, but time will tell. Listen, everybody's life is going to be, I promise you, we just got to work on that headspace of 2024 and putting the noise to the side, focusing on the things that are local to us, our families, the things that are important to us. And we'll get through things. So that's at least my perspective. Uh, question, something, a couple of topics we've talked about here a few times. What are the three least credible people in society? I wonder if Rocky knows. I'm willing to bet Rocky knows more about this than any, anyone in our political class. The three people, the three least credible people in our society, and I know Jesse's going to jump in and uh, add this right away, which is uh, the uh, politicians, right? You can't believe a word they say. It doesn't matter where they are on the, the political map. Uh, the media, both legacy media and alternative media, like you can't trust. You need to, as we say in Bitcoin, trust but verify. And the last thing, and I always say this with, with an asterisk because there are sometimes paid to be deceptive, which are lawyers. There you go. Media, politics, and lawyers. Put that feather in your cap. You're going to need that. Another theme we talked about here, uh, and I've mentioned on my Twitter slash X thread many times, that it takes one to five years to find out the truth about any political event. That still holds true. I think it's five years. With a, with a Freedom Convoy, I think we're going to go the distance. <laughs> I think we're going to go the full four to five years. But, you know, there is there are some good signs that uh, perhaps we'll see uh, some truth hitting mainstream people within the first couple of years. So we'll see, right? Well, what's up, brother? Uh, morning, BJ. Storms passed and the 81 is glorious. Yeah, I heard my, my brother told me the same thing. Uh, only had two flooded roads uh, to detour, detour today. 
Yeah, no, I was, you know, I didn't go out uh, yesterday just because of the uh, of the storm. So I'm going to have to go out uh, again very soon. So I figured, you know what, this is a good day to cancel a dispatch and go get my truck serviced. So, <laughs> but uh, it turns out everybody was okay. That it just the um, the cold front turned warm and it all turned into rain. So those fears of shutting down I-90 were, I guess, ill-founded. But let's remember that when we get models of climate prediction that we can't tell the hour years uh, hours apart. <laughs> we can't tell the weather hours apart. And uh, I like what Scott talks about is, does anybody think we can measure the temperature of the whole planet? Like, what do we, what do we have, thermometers all over the world? Like, <laughs> that's not how it works. And then, you know, the whole premise of it is based on core samples. And I don't know, so did we have core thermometers around the world 60 million years ago that were recording the temperature? Like, you're going to see them all pivot to the water crisis next, by the way. That's going to be the next crisis. So we had acid rain, which probably was a problem. And we had this, um, uh, let's, let's call it the uh, global weather issue. So, because we are on YouTube. And the next will be the water crisis. Watch, you're, you're going to see. They're going to start pushing that down your throat. Oh, we're running out of water. That's what will happen for the next 15 years. That will be the next grift. Okay, so let's talk about uh, political BS. I'm going to try to not say bad words today. Uh, political BS. Uh, we talked about how only a small percent of, the pe of people can change their minds. In my experience, it's about 15% of people that have the ability to have the, the level of crit crit critical thinking skills and the care to actually change their mind on any sort of issue, any sort of issue right? Um, the majority of us, the majority of people will just adopt the first narrative that we have. That's what you know, I referred to narrative poisoning. That's why <clears throat> Freedom, Con or Freedom Corp was so uh, visceral uh, towards myself and Bridget and other people because we didn't play the political BS line that the government wanted. And um, so that, that ends up with narrative poisoning. And over time, people will, um, will adopt that narrative as an identity through repetition. This is just how human beings work. Uh, and you see that with you know, the example I just gave with uh, global temperature issues, right? Uh, over time, people hear it over and over again for a decade, then they adopt it as part of their identity. You know, I watch a lot of tech uh, tutorials because I'm doing a whole infrastructure change here. And many of them are quite, uh, let's say, on the woke spectrum. And yeah, it's part of their religious uh, ideology at this point, right? And that's just through repetition for so many years, right? Uh, and this is why uh, when cognitive dissonance sets in, and we've discussed this before, the seven signs of cognitive dissonance, which I'll go on in a, in a minute. Uh, when, you, when you show somebody um, verifiable facts that refute their identity that they've, they've brought on or the issue that they've, they've been primed to, they've been brainwashed to care about, when you finally work through the seven signs of cognitive dissonance and have them completely trapped well, there's no out and it's obvious and everybody around them agrees that what they believed was wrong. What do they say? Do people say, I can't believe I was wrong all this time? 
No, no. <laughs> Have you ever met somebody who says, oh, I was wrong all this time? And sometimes I've had a couple of things in, my, in uh, recent years where I've done that. Um, some people do, but uh, most people don't. What they'll do, instead of saying, "Can I believe I, was, I can't believe I was so wrong about that, they pivot to something. They pivot to, well, I don't care. Nothing's going to change. <laughs> right? From denial to desperation to, they just, uh, to, it, there's nothing going to happen, right? There's, it's never going to be better. It is what it is, right? Um, and then over time, they'll reset to back to their default setting and retain the narrative that they've been poisoned with. So this is just a little bit of how people work. And this is important to understand this. And by the way, the seven signs of cognitive dissonance, when you challenge some, somebody on something, like for example, what we deal with with the uh, Freedom Convoy, when people get exposed to having political ties and part of the money grift, uh, they're going to respond one of seven ways. They're going to change the topic. Uh, they're going to give you an, an ad hominem attack. They're going to attack you personally for giving, you the, giving them the message. They'll engage in mind reading. Uh, they'll respond with uh, word salad that the blackface and Wilson both use that strategy. They just do long run-on sentences of words that together cumulatively have no meaning. And it's a, a form of hypnosis, actually, they're trying to do. Uh, they give you an analogy instead of a reason, not a reason with an analogy to support it. Uh, they tell you it's too complicated to explain, you'll never understand sort of thing. Or the So You're Saying Straw Man, made famous by Kathy Newman and Jordan Peterson in their interview. All right. So uh, all of this is important to understand. This is how humans behave. This is not up for debate, really. It's kind of, uh, we're at the point where even under, uh, science now understands this about uh, human psychology and how it all works. So I want to talk a little bit, because um, remember that. Put all that those feathers in your caps, okay? The bear in the campyard is what I call it. Y'all like camping, right? Let me go back and explain. You can't, okay, you can't understand political corruption in Canada or anywhere, really, if you don't understand the players. That's really important. Uh, we have this issue in Canada that I haven't spoken about, but I'll talk, I'm going to talk a little bit about it because I don't know. I don't know the people involved uh, there, and I don't want to speak at a turn because it's not my place, right? Certain things I know about, I'll talk about. Things I don't know about, uh, I won't. So the Coots 4 have been in jail for 690 days now, or just over 690 days. Who are the Coots 4? They are four guys in Coots, Alberta that were part of a protest uh, that wasn't part of a Freedom Convoy, but it happened at the same time. And uh, they've been held in jail for 690 days, from what I understand, without a bail hearing. Now, uh, did they do something? Or are they guilty? Like I don't know. I I, I know I don't know anything about this. Uh, I do produce uh, a podcast, not on record, with criminal lawyer Joseph Newberger and Diana Davidson, a legal researcher, and Michael and the whole group there. And they discuss wrongful accusations frequently. And it's, they, I mean, they're doing on the criminal realm of people who, you know, murderers, uh, burglary, stuff like that. And it's amazing. All of their, all of their clients are out within 24 hours on bail. Uh, these guys are 690 days without a bail hearing. Uh, I know I was going to not say bad words, but 
That's some fucking Banana Republic shit. That's some third world Banana Republic crap from the Canadian government. How embarrassing. You know, the third world laughs at us. They really do. They look at scenarios like this and they look, ha the Canadians, they're more corrupt than Pablo Escobar's Colombia. That's how bad we've become. So a little bit of what I've been seeing going on over this period, but I don't know all the details. I can just put together what I've seen. It's because I'm, I'm so busy with my own stuff too, right? We all are. But um, I have a very good friend who's very uh, concerned about this and has wanted me to speak about it. So a woman out west, I don't want to say her name because I don't want to dox people. And people have been harassed enough. But there's a woman out west who has been raising money for the Coots for. Um, and she was getting a lot of support. And that support was growing over time. It was gaining momentum. A kind of like, I don't know, the Freedom Convoy or other grassroots movements, stuff like that. Um, but see, this is the sort of thing the political class cannot allow to happen. It's, you can't do that. Can't have independent actors who are speaking on political issues, right? And I'm going to talk more about that over the long term because there's an entire network that operates. So around the same time that all this was going on, that this woman was raising money for the Coots for, people were trying to figure out what to do, whatever, blah, blah. Uh, there was some YouTuber who came out of nowhere named Jason, uh, Jason Levine. Uh, he, I have no idea who this nobody is, but he, he called me for an interview. And I'm like, I, I don't know who you are, but so anyways. And I'm really suspect, suspicious of anybody uh, who appears to have sort of, you know, political ambitions or something like that. Um, anyways, so, and he was, you know, nowhere near the Freedom Convoy, he had nothing to do with it. He appeared, I think, a year, year and a half after or whatever it was, just fairly recently. Um, so no clue who he is, but then out of nowhere, he appears on Viva Fry. That's tell number one. Okay. Um, tell number two, he begins regularly interviewing uh, the political convoy sellouts. So the people who, you know, went behind the back of the truckers and sold out uh, the Freedom Convoy and worked for the uh, political parties and establishment um, and the uh, the Trudeau government, you know, promulgating that Trudeau narrative. Uh, he's regu regularly interviewing those people. So that's tell number two. So he has all these people on his, his podcast. He got a boost from a couple of people, you know, Viva Fry and others. Um, and then once he gets enough momentum, he starts talking about the Coots 4. Um, and he starts to talk, he doesn't start to talk about them as much. Like, yeah, he talks about them in that case. But he seems to focus on the lady who was raising money for the Coots 4. And by the way, people in politics, you've never seen such, such sick people obsessed with money. They have, uh, they have this peasant mentality with money. It's really kind of funny. Um, no, that's, no, that's an insult to peasants. They're worse. Um, so he starts this whole where's the money campaign with a couple other people. So where's all this money for the coots for and blah, blah, blah. Now, I don't know what's going on. I just know that all of this sounds uh, very, very familiar, right? <laughs> so then the smear campaign starts against this poor woman who's been trying to help these people. 
and that gets momentum and tries to brainwash many of you, brainwash the the rebel news audience and brainwash anybody who cares about the freedom convoy to disparage this uh, woman and question where's the notice, notice is always vague where is the money why don't you give a specific question what are you asking but where is the money is not a question that's an accusation which is what uh, another thing that's frequent from the political class in their smear campaigns tell number three they have a solution and the solution is they have someone else who can take over the fundraising and make sure that the money is custodial properly. That's your third tell. So tell number one, an influencer props them up. Uh, tell number two, begins regularly talking and interviewing political convoy sellouts. Tell number three, they have a solution. Uh, they can raise the money and they can um, manage it. So now everything is captured. Now, I say this because uh, this Jason Levine character is talking about the case uh, and be talking over and over and over and over about the case. But I, I received this message. I got to read this message that I received from somebody, and I'll explain this. Uh, this is the message I received from somebody. They, referring to the Coots Four, have been in custody for 690 days and ended uh, and ended a bail hearing. I don't understand what that means, but or maybe it ended in a bail hearing. I thought I thought they didn't, haven't had one. But anyways, one of the Coots men who has been remanded for 690 days ran out of money, and he's going to try to fight the conspiracy to murder RCMP officers without a lawyer. I thought the I thought they were going to help raise money, and they can custodian and take care of these people. What happened to that? Feather in the cap. The lawyer took $560,000 and effing walked away. They didn't get bail. It's a nightmare because the Crown is charging all four at once. Who's the lawyer? Is it the lawyer who's talking or someone else? I, I legitimately don't know. Um, but this Jason Levine character, he's actually a lawyer. So he spends all his time running his mouth online disparaging, I don't know, uh, from what I'm told, he was disparaging myself maybe and other people who are not part of the political class, but who knows. I don't really care about that. I, whether it's true or not, I don't really care. But he's a lawyer. Why isn't, instead of talking, you're a member of the bar, why aren't you representing them pro bono? If you care so much, step up, roll up your sleeves, and you be the one to help these guys and become the big hero. I don't understand why he wouldn't do that. Um, but there's something else at play here that you may not have thought, out, thought of, but you know. When the Coots lawyers were, when the Coots, sorry, when the Coots guys were arrested, what provincial government was in power? Do you know some of you, um, for people here watching from the States, by the way, thank you from everybody watching in the U.S., the United Kingdom, Australia, Ecuador, everywhere. Like, wow. I was looking at the analytics last night. I couldn't believe it. So thank you, everybody. Um, so, but when the Coots guys who were arrested and have been sit rotting in jail for 690 days uh, without bail, what provincial government was in power? Is Justin Trudeau a provincial government? No, no. 
it was the Alberta UPC Conservatives, led by, at that time, Jason Kenney, and now led by um, Danielle Smith. They're still in power. So yes, it's the conservative government that was in power when these guys were locked up. And something else about our lawyer friend, Jason Levine, and listen, he might be a great guy. I don't know him. I've just heard what he said about some people and I'm a little disappointed, but whatever. Uh, our lawyer friend guy, Jason Levine, you know what he's done? You know, he's, he, he's I couldn't believe this. He's been a candidate for the same conservative, uh, conservative party in Alberta that locked these guys up. And then they, and he ran this, I don't know, did the, these videos questioning the woman who was raising money so they could help raise the money. What's going on? So, so to summarize, the guy pops up out of nowhere. He led a, com or led a campaign or participated maybe in a campaign uh, that, in my opinion, seemed to uh, smear the character of this elderly woman uh, to, I guess, they captured the fundraising. Um, then they, you know, raised the money for themselves. They'll take, they'll use it to take care of these coots boys. Um, and then they attack anybody who criticizes conservatives. That's the key. That's the la that is the last tell. That is tell number, what is that, four? I mean, there's so many subtells here. Just like the Freedom Convoy, doesn't it? Kind of smells the same. People are such garbage, really. You want to know why our freedoms are at risk? Well, when I say freedoms, I mean legislatively. Why they are at risk, why there's so much increased authoritarianism. It's because fucking games like this. It um, makes me so angry. Um, anyways, I began by asking, I'm, I'm trying to find analogies that can communicate to people easily so they can understand. Um, y'all like, as I asked in the beginning, y'all like camping, right? We all like camping like we like freedom. Well, I'm not big on camping, but I know a lot of, pe a lot of you people here are big on camping. Well, the best way I look, this is how I look at it. What we're dealing with is we have a bear in the campground. And I and others are trying to get a gun to shoot the bear. Because we have a bear in the campground, campground, right? We're hiding in the tent. Hey, everybody, it's quiet at night. There's a fire. And boom, there's a bear in the campground. This is the political class. That's the bear in the campground. We're looking for, we're, as we're trying to expose uh, what happened at the Freedom Convoy, why everybody was sold out by these political actors, they are trying to stop us from going to grab the gun to shoot the bear in the campground. Does that make sense? The bear in the campground is the political establishment that put us at risk. Freedom Corp, political convoy, uh, whatever you want to call it. And it is not in just one party. It's in multiple parties. That's why Candace Bergman and Justin Trudeau in the POEC testimony, in emails that were shown that were partially redacted, 
What they did show is they agreed. They said, we need to put an end to the convoy. Yet the conservatives are trying to say, hey, we're, we support the truckers. No, you fucked the truckers is what you did. Right? As well as some people who were uh, amongst us in our circles who helped them. And by the way, it wasn't their first rodeo. This is why our freedoms are eroding. We have the bear in the campground, which is the political class that is coming to, to sacrifice all of us. Some of us are trying to speak out. We grab, we want to grab the gun to shoot the bear. And then the trolly mouthy a-holes on Twitter are there, or Facebook are there trying to brainwash you to, to convince you to block us from grabbing the gun to shoot the bear. That's what's happening. By the way, these are just analogies about actual guns and shooting. Now, I personally don't like to have to address these irrelevant sewer rats. I really don't. Um, I wish people like this Levine guy, like I said, would just shut his mouth, roll up his sleeves, and take on the file and represent these guys. You got a law degree, you're sure as hell running your mouth 24-7 about it, so why don't you just do something, right? And by the way, the legal community is very small. I don't know if he's a criminal lawyer or not, but I guarantee you he knows criminal lawyers, many of them. Form a team, represent themselves, represent these guys. But he won't. Why? Because he's part of the conservative influencer grift. Now, I, I, I think your people are starting to see that, right? Because of Diverge Media's work. Uh, we just had a Twitter space last week who sold out the Canadian truckers. This is the same template that's used over and over again, right? Um, I just hope, like, I love being proven wrong. And I hope uh, this character, who I know nothing about and will never speak again, uh, I hope he can prove me wrong. I hope he'll go and actually shut his mouth, roll up his sleeves, and go help those guys and be their representative, form a legal team, and put an end to this third world banana republic nonsense. Instead of the primary concern, which seems to be, which is defending the very conservative party that arrested these guys, or at least was in power when these guys were arrested, right? And what they'll do, like, polit like political class always does, they'll use the bureaucracy as the excuse. If you ever hear somebody tell you, oh, I'm the provincial representative that has to go to the federal government, punch them, punch them, because they all know each other. They're all the same group of people. It's a revolving door that goes provincial party to federal party, back to prov provincial party, to a lobby firm, back to a firm, back to Queens Park, whatever. They all know each other and they all work together. If they, if they tell you that, if they use the bureaucracy excuse, that's when you need to step on their throat harder because they're lying to you. They're technically not lying, but they're practically lying, right? All right. Have I upset anybody yet? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Again, tell me if I should uh, share these on, um, on Substack. And uh, the truckers had a single senator that supported them. Uh, well, they had o we had overtures that have, were, uh, were made towards us, uh, but actual support... I don't know. Uh, it was they're, you know, they're wearing their options and they're really weak. Look, the weakest people are in politics. That's where your morons are who couldn't cut it in the private sector. 
but they're usually very narcissistic. They te- there's a lot, a large percentage of psychopaths, and they're desperate for relevancy or power, right? And those are the characteristics that fuel this sort of uh, highly unethical behavior, right? I'm a small bird rescuer. I can uh, I can connect you with the bird rescuers through the world. Yeah, perfect. Uh, Jesse says, I'm a small bird rescuer, but I can connect you with bird rescuers throughout the world. Um, that's how it works. And the legal community, especially since they're all members of the bar, they'll know each other, right? Especially when they're in the same age demographic, because many of them will have gone to the same law schools. Or they'll have gone to, you know, brother and sister law schools and whatever. So they all kind of know each other, right? Anyways, okay. So hopefully uh, this uh, Levine guy will prove me wrong and will roll up his sleeves and shut his mouth and actually take on the file and uh, work on and help these guys. And hopefully he won't use the BS excuse of, oh, I'm not a criminal lawyer. Yeah, well, you can still lead a criminal team. And get some criminal lawyers under your belt to uh, to do this pro bono. All right. So, <laughs> who wants to talk about? Uh, I've got to remember. I'm on. I got to be so careful because one of the streams is on uh, YouTube. By the way, I think today I'm doing. I should check the Rumble stream actually. Uh, I'm doing this on Rumble and Facebook for as long as that remains. I don't know how long. And um, what was the other one? Oh, Odyssey. So I'm testing out Odyssey right now, and we'll see if it worked. Oh, Scott is streaming right now. <laughs> so funny. So weird when you get to um, when you get to know other streamers uh, or other people who are kind of well known. All right. So uh, let's go. I think uh, I'm just going to test if we're streaming here. Let me put the sound off so it doesn't echo. And I'm going to get into what everybody else wants to know. Um, <laughs> I got <laughs> I got to respond to a comment on on Rubble that I don't even know. But whatever. All right. I just typed to somebody on uh, on Rumble. Okay, so let's go back to the encoder. We saw a uh, interesting story out of New York City uh, yesterday. <laughs> we saw some uh, uh, tunnels that were trending. Uh, <laughs> it's so. I mean, once you understand when human behavior like the predictable aspects of human behavior, it just, you can't unsee it and becomes very funny. All right. So, (laughs) why tunnels under the synagogue? Uh, Is it true? Is it propaganda? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, Let's let's start with looking at a couple things. Firstly, all right, there's there's tunnels under this Hasidic synagogue, and that's going to become important in a couple of minutes. Uh, you know what there weren't in those tunnels? You know what there weren't? And I bet you didn't even think of it. There were no rockets and there were no hostages. Think about that. I'm going to tell you why that's uh, relevant in a second. Because I know you didn't think about it because I didn't think about it initially. I had to really dig and sit back for a couple minutes and it hit me. Oh, yeah. Right? Because we are all... Can be, we can all be primed for certain opinions, and that's exactly what's happening here. So I'm sure your first instinct wasn't 
There's no rockets and no hostages. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, that, that's Hamas. They're tunnels, right? Isn't this convenient? But I bet you emotionally reacted to the rumor of a stained mattress and a baby seat. Didn't you? We all did. That was intentionally put in the narrative. The stained mattress and the baby seat. Why would they do that? Do you know why? I know why. You were being primed for brainwashing. That's exactly what that is. That's priming people. Well, you were primed uh, for brainwashing, should I say. Um, think about it. Priming is the idea that you're, you're setting, kind of setting the stage, right? How were you primed for brainwashing? Well, think about it. What is the biggest news story that would prime you to make that logical leap, right? Firstly, the word selection is very intentional, right? A stained mattress, baby seat. Why would you put those things together, right? So that is very intentional on a subconscious level. But what's that big news story that's been all over for months and months and months in the mainstream news? Jeffrey Epstein. Everyone knows Jeffrey Epstein was Jewish, right? It's that undertone that's often said but not said. That's how you were primed. So instead of the many other possible explanations for this, which we'll get into in a second, you were primed to be brainwashed to think towards the negative because you were given just enough vague terminology that your brain went to fill in the gaps. Happened to me too. This is how propaganda works. This is why both online and legacy media, you are being propagandized intentionally. Like they're intentionally, they know it's exactly what is being done and it is calculated. Um, so that's reason number one that, the, um, that all so many YouTubers and legacy media jumped all over it was the priming for brainwashing that uh, helped us fill in the gaps utilizing that Jeff Jeffrey Epstein was all over the news. And number two, it was so unusual. No one's ever seen this before, right? That's the whole goal of, of media. That's how they chase clicks. They don't chase clicks by showing you normal stuff or how good the world is or how many good things are going on. No, no, no. It's always controversy. It's always the things that don't make sense. The analogy I've heard many, many times is the headline that won't go viral is um, dog, bar dog, man, dog, so dog Bites Man. But you know what goes viral? Man bites dog. That's exactly what this is. Man bites dog. This is also, so that priming of Jeffrey Epstein and, you know, it primes you to think, to jump to the worst possible negative uh, outcomes around this Hasidic synagogue tunnels. This is why the Jewish groups go crazy about anti-Semitism all the time. By the way, a word that no longer has any meaning. Uh, you know, you uh, cry wolf enough times. That's why I never use it. You cry wolf enough times, thank you lefty Jews, then it doesn't have meaning anymore. And But the reason they, they go crazy about anti-Semitism all the time and conspiracies and whatever is because when something negative happens that is unrelated, it will be correlated it to the negative. 
which is exactly what you've seen here. That's the strategy. This is why, in my opinion, uh, Cialdini's book, Presuasion, which is what you're seeing here, I argue it's more relevant today than his initial book, uh, Influence, which is very, which is a very popular book from the 1980s, I believe. Uh, great book. Uh, but we're dealing in the era of persuasion, right? You've been primed with Jeffrey Epstein. Then you see tunnels, Hasidic synagogue, Jews, bed, stain, baby. What's going on? You know, somebody, I was asked by a couple of people to touch on this stuff. So I'm going to try to do my best uh, to give some context and understanding. All right. So uh, important distinctions. And in the context of this, this priming and propaganda, Jeffrey Epstein uh, was Jewish, right? That's the, that's the priming correlation. Uh, he was a secular Jew. He was not Hasidic. That's the polar opposite. They have nothing to do with each other. Secular means he's, he may, may have been born Jewish or whatever, but I don't know how practicing he was. I don't know if he went to synagogue or not. What kind of synagogue do you go to? Reform one? Conservative one? Hasidic one? I don't know. He was definitely not Hasidic because Hasidic is a sect of ultra-religious Jews. And I'm explain this in a, so you understand this. Uh, and this is also why, you know, the, uh, the organizations, the Jewish organizations or lobby go crazy when people try to collectivize uh, Jews. That is... <clears throat> postmodern, left-wing, uh, communist worldviews of just having a collective view of people. That's what they. That's what the left does with BLM, right? <clears throat> or other minorities whenever they do X minority believes whatever. <clears throat> so the term Jews, when people use it, <clears throat> I think I need some more freedom coffee. <clears throat> All right, so the term Jews encompasses Sephardic Jews, Ashkenazi Jews, Mizrahi Jews. Then there are the Hasidics, modern Orthodox, conservatives, reforms. They're all different, and they all have different worldviews, different political philosophies. They're all different. So to call Jews the same, you know, as a monolith, you know, the Jews all believe X, would be the same as saying, all Christians being, uh, all Christians believe X, meaning <clears throat> it would be the same as putting together uh, all Christians, Presbyterians, uh, and um, Angelicals, Evangelicals, Greek, Ortho Greek Orthodox, Catholics, putting them all in the same box. And I know my friends who are Christians of different denominations go crazy when people do that. Well, the Jews do the same. <laughs> The problem is, and it's not your fault, by the way, some of the lefty collectivist Jews uh, often refer to Jews as a monolith when they're trying to wave the victim of the victimization flag, which is very frustrating. So it's not entirely your fault, right? <clears throat> so think about that. When people refer to all Jews as X, they're saying... All Sephardic Jews, Ashkenazi Jews, Mizrahi Jews, Hasidic, modern Orthodox, conservative, reform, all think the same thing, which is the same as saying Presbyterians, Angelicals, Evangelicals, Greek Orthodox, Catholics, all believe the same thing. No, you don't. You're all different. We're individualists. 
and even those different sects of our religions have different perspectives on things. Which leads me to say, in the words of the great Rodney King, can we all just get along? <laughs> like, really? Can we just get along? Can we stop with the, the collective label for everybody, for anyone? Like, can we just stop that? Th that would be great. That would be a an end to wokeism. And that's why, you know, there are people who claim to be on the, the right, like Fed McKenzie. That guy is ultra left, ultra left. He is the white version of Black Lives Matter. He wants centralized power of government control based on um, uh, religious, eth oh, sorry, uh, ethnicity, but he just has an in-group preference. Whereas the woke supremacists have an out-group preference, but they're the same people. They're both ultra-left maniacs, right? Anyways, all right, so what, ha what actually happened? Sorry, I'm giving you a little bit of context too much. Um, <laughs> John. <laughs> okay, John, I, I'll give <laughs> I'm, I'm good at, at jokes and humor. I get it. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> All right. So um, let me get to this. So the Daily Mail had an article, and they had somebody who was on site and went there, no surprise. Um, and so there's some important context. Remember I told you in politics – if you want to know what's going on, you need to understand the players. I've said that uh, time uh, many times before, right? Same thing here. So that synagogue was uh, Rabbi Schneerson's synagogue. Now, I know you're all saying, wow, Rabbi Schneerson? Who the hell's that? <laughs> okay. Um, Rabbi Schneerson is the one who popularized the Hasidic movement, this sect of, of uh, Orthodox Judaism. Uh, which was founded by a guy in the a rabbi in the 1700s by name by the name of Ben Eliezer, right? I think this was before the emancipation of the Jews. Do, do you do people know that that uh, when it was it 17 or it would have been around the same time? I can't remember the year. I think it was 1714, where the Jews were emancipated in Germany, and the person who led that was Moses Mendelssohn, uh, the father of uh, a convert and it converted to Catholicism, um, uh, Felix Mendelssohn. And it's funny, they, they all got emancipated and all his children converted <laughs> to, uh, to Catholic, I think Catholicism, if I'm not mistaken. Anyways, so uh, Ben Eliezer in the 1700s created this Hasidic movement, which refers to you know, ancient uh, Talmudic uh, biblical history, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they're sort of a priestly class and whatever, right? They're supposed to live, you know, within the ultra-strict confines of what the Talmud and uh, the Torah tells them. Okay, fine. Whatever. Um, did you ever wonder why the Hasidic people look like they're dressed from the 18th century? Do you think that's how Moses dressed? Or the Maccabees dressed? Or the Sephardic Jews who were in the desert in Israel since biblical times. Do you think they dressed uh, like the Hasidics today uh, over the past uh, four or five thousand years in the 120 degree desert heat? No, they dress like Arabs. They dress like Bedouins and dress like this. But isn't that the fashion that was popular in the Western world 
in Russia, in Eastern Europe during the 1700s? Isn't that how people dressed? Very much like the Amish, which also started around the same time. It's the Jewish equivalent of the Amish. That's what these people are. There's some differences. I, I know people get upset at that analogy, but it's just an analogy to try to communicate to regular people. And it started in what is now uh, Ukraine. That's where this uh, Eliezer guy was. So think about it. How did people dress in Eastern Europe or in the Ukraine? I mean, it wasn't Ukraine then, right? Like it's uh, this whole idea of national states are, is a recent phenomenon. But um, that's exactly how people dress that way. That's, how, that's why they dress the way they dress. That's not representative of myself or other people who are – like I'm pretty secular, right? But uh, other – I have a very close friend who's very religious, doesn't dress like that. It's just a different sect within the religion. So they're all different. It's just a religion. Just get over it, right? Um, but did you ever think of that? Did you ever think why do these people – where do they get their dress from? That's not how Moses dressed because it's a movement. And Schneerson – uh, is the one who popularized that movement all over the world, all over the Jewish community. I think they have 6,000 synagogues around the world, right? That's Schneerson. And that synagogue was the very, uh, that was his synagogue where he popularized uh, this movement. And Schneerson died, what, 20 years ago, something like that? I don't, I don't remember exactly. Um, and so the, the way they look, that's cultural dress, just like the Sephardic Jews who had been living in Israel uh, since biblical times would wear, you know, the equivalent of Bedouin dress because that was the cultural dress because of the heat, right? You really had to have, have a chance. Um, so anyways, uh, I think that uh, – oh, and so apparently there was some uh, internal conflict there. There's uh, two accounts of it. One was that synagogue, and it could be both. I mean, these things are not necessarily we got to get away from the, you know, the bifurcated worldview and understand there are things that are not mutually exclusive. So one of the problems was that synagogue, because it's so popular, that kind of the, the not the birthplace place of the movement, that, but that's where it was really popularized. Like Schneerson has seemed like very, uh, oh, somebody's, oh, <laughs> I've been playing around with the, uh, <laughs> the encoder. So I don't know. Um, so that's really that, – that synagogue in New York is really significant because that was the birthplace of popularizing the modern uh, Hasidic movement. And Schneerson is really revered within that community. So because of that, much like you know, my friends who are Christian have certain, certain churches that are, um, uh, that are more significant to their faith than others. Uh, in Catholicism, obviously, you have the Vatican. So this would be – not the equivalent to the Vatican. That's what kind of that's what Israel is. Uh, but it has that sort of significance. So what's the problem? Everybody wants to go there, and they all have like hundred kids. <laughs> so they can't get enough people into the synagogue. So they've been there's been an internal dispute in the synagogue for years that it needs to be expanded. And some of them just decided there's a wall here. Just knock down the wall and open up the foundation underneath. And the other side's like, but that's violation of the permit. We can't do that. So they've been squabbling with each other. And then what happened? This is where it's not mutually exclusive. We had the COVID lockdowns, right? So those tunnels apparently became a, a way for them to bypass COVID restrictions. 
Or are we all in support of COVID, restric COVID restrictions now? These are people who built this initially because there was a capacity issue. But then when the government got all authoritarian on them, they used it to bypass the restrictions, the authoritarian, I would say communistic, um, restrictions within New York. Are we not supporting that now? Are we not supporting people who pushed back against the COVID restrictions? You know, every weekend at the Freedom Convoy, we had uh, Pastor Hildebrand and another pastor from uh, Quebec that would give a service. And uh, it was for all people of faith. Uh, you know, he's Mennonite, so it clearly uh, was based on that. But everybody, all faiths were welcome. This is one of the benefits of the proselytizing nature of uh, Christian religions. For us, it sometimes gets a little much. But the fact that there's also times where it's very inclusive, that's actually kind of nice. So uh, the services were everybody was included. And in Judaism, the Sabbath is on the Saturday. In Christian religions, the Sabbath is on the Sunday. Okay, cool. So they had the service every Sunday. That's where I went up, you know, my crutches. Spent an hour trying to get to the stage. They lifted me up on stage after I broke my ankle to give everybody a thank you before I would get back to work. And uh, I, when I would give my, my speech every weekend on Sunday, off to the corner, off to one side of the stage, were these guys. The Hasidic Jews were there supporting the convoy while the secular Jews were calling us neo-Nazis. There's a big congregation of there. The entire time. Very nice people. Spoke to the rabbi. They're supportive of everybody. They were supportive of all of you. They're supportive of the truckers. They're supportive of all the Christian messaging. And we all came together and helped each other. So we can now turn on them because they built a tunnel to try to bypass these restrictions. This is what I mean about buying into propaganda that helps divide us. This is what's killing us. And we need to get away from that. We need to focus on our similarities, not our differences. And yeah, there's going to be differences amongst people's religions, but there's going to be a lot of similarities. Sometimes with certain religions, those differences are stark and really difficult to work through. And some of the people in those religions need our support because they don't have enough support internally. That's another issue. But let's focus on our similarities. You know, Ed, you're never late, brother. And you can always... Uh, you can always watch it later on, right? That's the beauty of the archival, archival nature of the internet. Anyways, so I just hope people don't buy into the propaganda and the attempts to correlate. Like there is a massive campaign right now funded by the Muslim Brotherhood to defame anything that is remotely identified with Judaism. This has been going on for quite some time. A lot of it is being paid with crypto. Uh, Qatar is behind a lot of this stuff. And this is how the propaganda, the disease gets into your brain. This is a perfect example, right? Some really, really dark people behind some of this stuff trying to, some very dark and very violent people trying to, uh, uh, to get us all at each other's throats. And I just hope we can stop doing that. You know, John comes in and makes a joke, whatever. Like, I'm not afraid of jokes. We all can joke with each other, Right. And uh, it's important not to lose our sense of humor. And you know what? If we're staying in a state of positivity, which I think we've decided we're going to do for 2024, then it becomes easy to joke with one another 
and uh, not get offended at everything uh, everything else. Uh, Je- okay, J- uh, Jesse, I don't. I, all right, okay. So I- explain. I firstly, okay, <laughs> Jesse. All right. Firstly, we don't know the, the claim, the propaganda claim that tried to correlate Jeffrey Epstein to the synagogue, which was a stained mattress and a baby, um, a, a, what they call a baby carriage or something like that. Stained with what? Stained with what? Where they do, COVID lockdowns were so restrictive, right? Um, I don't know if you know what a bris is. Did they conduct a bris there? A bris is, by the way, brisses are only done by medical doctors. That's another thing I see in the rumor mill all the time, which makes you crazy. Uh, any, it's called a moil. A moil is some person who does the bris, which is the circumcision thing. You have to be a medical doctor, a licensed medical practitioner. If you're not, uh, there's no synagogue in uh, the Western world that would accept it. Uh, that's just, you know, a, a cause for concern. So all these other uh, rumors you hear are all just, uh, remember I told you Muslim Brotherhood propaganda? That's what you're seeing. So uh, I don't know, is the stained mattress, uh, Brits was conducted there? Um, or we're doing, they're doing some sort of Kaddish. You know, there's all sorts of prayers that are done in Judaism. Like, you know, uh, in Catholicism, you know, you have the, um, uh, you take a, a wine, the wine represents the blood of Jesus. Well, in Judaism, there's many uh, customs that are done with red wine. That's what Manischewitz is. You see that horrible wine you see in, uh, in the uh, liquor store, in the wine store. So I don't know, did somebody spill some of the Manischewitz on the bread? Bed, who knows? But we're primed to fill in the gaps with the most negative thing, and you've been bombarded with Jeffrey Epstein stuff for so long. It's just a natural progression. The people who are behind the propaganda strategies are really good. They're really good. My hat tips. They're very evil, but they're very good, right? Um, oh, and the, the, the baby carriage. These people have 10 kids, <laughs> like so many of them, so many kids. There could be a million different reasons. I don't know. They had a Rosh Hashanah celebration during uh, the COVID lockdowns, and somebody had to bring their kid, uh, or somebody just had a kid, or there was a kid that there was a bris there. Who, there could be a million different reasons for that. But you're primed to, to see something that's not there. We all are. And the skill, this is why it's important to look at uh, all sides of arguments, even ones we disagree with. And uh, I encourage people to listen to the lefties and the progressives that you disagree with. Just understand, like, I I completely disagree and reject their worldview almost totally. But I understand how they come to their conclusions. I disagree with it, but I understand why, right? And that's important. I saw something about tunnels, but was too busy being entertained by BTC and the, and the Ethereum drama. Yes, uh, by the way, Will, uh, today's supposed to be the day where there's the ETF announcement. I don't know if you saw what happened to Gensler. So for people who don't know, there's an ETF, uh, there's numerous ETF applications for Bitcoin that was filed by BlackRock, by, uh, by uh, Vanguard, uh, by Fidelity, a number, a number of uh, Wall Street firms who now understand the legitimacy of Bitcoin. So they're starting this ETF and the SEC for years has been, the the US government has been doing everything they can to prevent it. So now BlackRock just got in the game because their clients are demanding it. 
Um, and yesterday, Gary Gensler, who is the SEC chairman, who is the one who is tasked with approving or not approving this ETF. By the way, they, there have been many non-approvals over the past several years before the big guys just came in. And somebody hacked uh, the SEC's Twitter account yesterday and started posting messages saying, it's approved, congratulations, like stuff like that. So that's kind of the funny stuff uh, stuff that happens on Twitter that enjoy it, you know, enjoy the funny things that go along and just don't take the bait and don't always correlate things to the negative. I know it's hard to resist. I do the same thing. That's how we're programmed, right? This is, it's a, it's a survival instinct. It's a survival mechanism. Um, and this is why it's really important to really sit back and think, all right, why am I thinking this? Am I being played with some, by somebody? Because it often is. It's often the case. All right. On that note, it's been an hour. I got to run. I have, uh, oh, by the way, today, 1 p.m., uh, political Bitcoin hour, myself and uh, Brandon Gentili. Uh, we're going to try not to talk about BTF, uh, ETFs the entire time unless there's something funny. Uh, we're gonna th I think we're going to talk a little bit about Ecuador. You're seeing what's going on in Ecuador. That's really crazy. When one of their, one of their main uh, news anchors was kidnapped during a live feed in studio. Uh, pretty crazy what's going on there. And, uh, well, are we, all that, are we that far off from that happening here? Let's just bring in as many people who have ties to organized crime in the third world, uh, unvetted, and what could go wrong, right? Mm. Anyways, Jesse was one of the people who was actually asking for clarification on uh, Ju Judaism, the Jewish communities. I hope that helps. Uh, you could, I could talk about this for hours, but I just don't want to talk about, you know, identitarianism and religious groups and whatever. Like, I want to focus on all us all being individuals, right? But um, anyways, it is what it is. So uh, I have to run. I got to go. I'm a couple of minutes late. I hope you all have an amazing day. I wanted to get into a little bit more positivity around this, but I'm going to do that next time. And please like, share, subscribe. I hope I, you didn't mind those who, subs who are on my Substack that I posted the last uh, live stream about the Ooga Booga aliens in Miami. I thought this is so funny. But anyways, uh, I appreciate all your love and support. Um, I hope you're all having an amazing 2024. And I hope you continue to do so. And I'm going to try to do whatever I can uh, to help that. And um, it is what it is. Uh, oh, man, you need to sell those freedom mugs. Do you want me? You want me to? It's two sides. It's uh, honking for freedom and uh, don't be a chooch, which is an inside joke with, you know, you've never heard the expression, don't be a chooch? All right, we'll talk about that after. Go have an amazing day and be kind to people. It'll make you feel better. And uh, hopefully we'll see you on the